When the art day gets rough, you just gotta keep on punching. And here's your Thunder Punch Daily with Jersey Droz. Of course, I would have to talk about Dinobot if I'm going to do a 30 Transformers character um, series of journals. Uh, he's a pretty he's a pretty important character in the in the franchise now. I would think, right? I mean. Again, I haven't watched them all, but uh, it seems to me like most like big Transformers fans watch Beast Wars, and even the people who were Truck Not Monkey, um, I would have to think that they at least liked Dinobot, because Dinobot was like, well, he was he was he was a what's the shorthand for people who haven't watched the show? He was essentially a Klingon, right? Um, honor, duty, dying in battle is the greatest thing in the entire world. Um, and my interpretation of his character, interpretation, is that the right word? Uh, what, the way I think about his character and what I walk away with when I watch the show is he is the anti-Starscream of the Transformer series. What do I mean? I got a few thoughts nested in this in this phrase this this uh, this idea and the first one is is that when he shows up on the show in episode one of beast wars he the expectation is immediately that he is the starscream character because he's on the bad guys team he's on the predacons um the first thing you hear him say before you even see him when he's on board the predacon ship is he's arguing with megatron their shields are down destroy them and megatron says well where's the fun in that a little torment i think yes and then he shoots up the Maximal ship. Uh, Maximals return fire, and they both crash land on this planet that looks a lot like Earth, except that it has two moons. No spoilers. Um, but, you know, they, they, they emerge from their ship after they crash. Dinobot is, is a velociraptor. He's chosen his beast mode. And uh, he's, he's taking Megatron to test. Like, this, this can't be Earth. It's all wrong. Megatron, you failed. Not only did you fail... You know, to destroy the Maximals, you failed to bring us to the right planet. Uh, I'm taking over the Predacons. He immediately challenges Megatron for leadership of the Predacons. Megatron disposes of him, like shoots him with a laser. and Or rather, no, Scorponok shoots him with a, some kind of missile or something. And Dinobot just like flies off into the horizon, all cartoon-like. Um, but so, so then, then he meets the Maximals and uh, Dinobot does. And he challenges Optimus Primal for leadership of the Maximals. Like, I'm taking over as your leader so I can stop Megatron. And at first, it seems like he's really doing it just so he can get revenge on Megatron for, you know, what he did to him. Um, but this is where we start getting to some anti-Starscream stuff. This is where he starts to break the mold and invert the story of Starscream. Um, if you think about Starscream, is he's he's a person who, and once again, I'm gonna, you know, as a child, I looked I looked at him and said, oh, that's what confidence looks like. Why? Because he has an idea for the way the world should work, and he's ready to impress it upon the world. He has no problem stepping up saying this is the way the world should work, right? But unfortunately for Starscream, that's not the way the world works. Yes, grown-ups have this amazing thing called agency. Like when we're little kids, we look at grown-ups and they have this superpower that they can make choices and they know what choices to make. They know how to do things that we don't have a clue how it happens. You know, the example I always go to is when I was watching my dad drive. Like, how did he know exactly how much to turn the wheel? And I asked him and he couldn't tell me. 
So my little brain said, oh my gosh, it's a superpower. Grown-ups have superpowers. They can do these incredible things that make no sense to me. And Starscream, right, is like, I know, and I'm going to change the world. I'm going to make it my way. Which again, to a, uh, a, I'm not shy. What, what was the word that I used? I was creative and sensitive. <laughs> um, that looked like, that looked like the direction I was supposed, that's, that's what grumps are supposed to be. Well, what Dinobot shows us, at least this is what I infer from the character, and this is where I think he's an anti-Starscream, is it's a two-way street, though. The world works on you, too, and you have to be paying attention and receptive to it in order to do that thing that's so important to us called growth. Right? Starscream doesn't grow. Starscream is, is I'm talking about Gen 1 Starscream, he's always the same, and he bumps into the same wall every time, and keeps coming back. And that's what part, partly what makes him so lovable as a character, right? But what Dinobot does is he shows up to the Maximals. He says, I'm in charge. He fights Optimus. And uh, Optimus refuses to let Dinobot die in an ignoble way. And Dinobot retaliates, you know, takes advantage of Optimus's, you know, uh, moment of weakness. And he does a cheap shot. And Optimus almost dies. And then Dinobot saves him. He says, ah, if you would have died that way, that wouldn't have been the right way. You know, I prefer to, you know, kill my victims the old-fashioned way, brutally. And he starts fighting him again. Uh, but throughout his experience working with Max, he, eventually he loses to Optimus and he agrees to not be second in command, but he's just sort of one of the troops now. And there's a tension there all the time because Dinobot keeps telling them, like, this is, you know, you Maximals are too weak. The Predacons really know how to do things right. We're, we're, we're brutal and efficient and so on. But, he, but I'm thinking of uh, guerrilla warfare. So in guerrilla warfare, Optimus gets infected with this virus made by Scorponok, which is supposed to turn him into a coward. It's supposed to make him weak and, and uh, afraid so that they would, the Maximals would have bad leadership and then the Predacons can easily defeat them. But instead, what it does is it turns Optimus into a berserker. He's like super, super aggressive. <laughs> and I mean, like so, so much to the point where he walks into the Maximals headquarters, like their, their main offices or whatever. He starts shooting up the place. And Dinobot's like, hey, this is, this is awesome. We should just point him at the Predacons and back him up. Let him tear up the place, you know. And then Rat Trap even says, like, well, what if Optimus turns on us? And Dinobot's like, fine by me, you know. But uh, in the end of the episode, as Optimus is healing and convalescing, uh, he wakes up and Dinobot's by his side, you know. Uh, or as a matter of fact, like their, their pl Dinobot's plan fails, and then even Dinobot says well, it appears that only Optimus can truly think like Optimus. So I guess we'll have to think for ourselves. Uh, but in the end of the episode, when Optimus is like laying in his room, you know, healing, he wakes up and Dinobot is there by his bedside, and he's like, "Oh, bedside vigil, Dinobot, not like you." He's like, "Well, it was my shift." He's like, "It's good to have you back," and Optimus says, "Back home or back to normal?" And or Dinobot says both. And we see our first little crack in that, you know, warrior's exterior that maybe he's learning from Optimus and that he's growing as a character too. And sure enough, he learns that his sense of honor has multiple applications. It's not just about nobility and battle and, and like dying an honorable death. It's also doing right by your comrades. It's also about being honest. It's also about... Uh, making sacrifices to do what is morally correct and right, you know? And so what I think, 
I think one of the reasons he is such a compelling character is because he takes he take the writers took this idea of honor and nobility and they put it through a very narrow focus. He starts out with a very narrow view of the world. My, I am Dinobot. This is who I am. This is the long and short of me. I am a, a heroic, or rather, a, a a valiant warrior who will fight nobly and die in battle. And you could see how that would be a very that'd be a, a worldview very applicable to a team like the Predacons. It's all about conquering. It's about conquering and 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 uh, amassing wealth and power. Well. You take somebody with Dinobot's worldview, and that's a perfect soldier for what you want to do. They're going to leap in there, and they're going to give it their all. But once you start broadening his worldview a little bit, once he engages with the world, he tries, he puts his view on it. This is the way the world should work, and the world pushes back and says, well, but it doesn't really work that way. Here's other ways that it works. And he listens, unlike Starscream. And then he grows, and then we get to Code of Hero. Gosh, should I put a spoiler warning? Spoiler warning! Big spoiler warning. One, two, three. Shut it off now if you don't want it spoiled. But we get to Code of Hero, and Optimus uses that line that summarizes what I think I'm talking about here. He lived a warrior and died a hero. Right? He realizes that... Uh, and it's, it's, it's a lovely little bit of writing where they, they, he even says, you know, the question that has haunted my being has now been answered. The future is not fixed. My choices are my own. And how ironic that I now find I have no choice at all. And he has to leap into, you know, Alduvai Gorge and save, you know, the, the early humans from an attack by Megatron and the Predacons. And he takes them all on, right? Like, it's, it's, it's such a... For, for an episode that where, and a lot of us, a lot, I didn't know, but a lot of us knew that uh, Dinobot was going to die because it was spoiled on the Transformers forums... Although, I mean, the first 60 seconds of the episode, there's so many death motifs. <laughs> like the Black Crow that the episode starts on. The start, uh, Dinobot's trying to commit seppuku. He's trying to, like, he's trying to commit suicide in the beginning of the episode. Um, it automatically starts off with this tone of like, and I remember watching it uh, with my Transformers friends that I was living with at the time. And we all looked at each other like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know. This does not look good. You know, something bad is going to happen in this episode, you know. And then when we watched it all the way through and we videotaped it as it aired, uh, we, it, we stopped the tape. We sat in silence for about a minute or two. And one of us said, like, let's watch it again. <laughs> and then we put it on again. And we watched it almost in silence one more time. Like, that's my, how much of an effect it had on me uh, when I was watching it as what? When was I, like, 22, 23, somewhere in the neighborhood? Uh, but yeah, yeah. So in that way, I, he, I guess that, that, that rounds off my point. He's, he's the anti-Starscream in that he engages with the world like Starscream, but then he lets the world work on him too. And it's, it's that, yes, there's agency, but it's a push and a pull, you know? Um, you, Dinobot is a richer and more interesting character because he listens to the people around him. And I didn't even get into his friendship with Rat Trap, right? His friendship with Rat Trap, I feel like it remains constant and consistent in that it is based entirely on bickering, based on a, uh, I would say in the beginning, it's a mutual disrespect. They dislike each other. Although I think it feels like Rat Trap likes Dinobot pretty quickly. Um, in the episode Victory, uh, 
it's it's clear that that rat trap is disappointed that Dinobot doesn't want to go home with them when they think they're going home to Cybertron. Um, but I I feel like towards the end it's a bicker it's like a bickering of an old married couple, right? It's two people who have been together for a long time. They have their differences, but underneath those differences is a mutual respect, respect and love. It feels like, and I, I mean that's even expressed in Dinobot's final dig at Rat Trap as he's laying there dying. Right? Um, Rat Trap says it's nice to know where you stand, and he says upwind of you for preference, Vermin. Um, so, is there anything to say about his design? I know he's not the first Transformer with pointy teeth, but it feels like his pointy teeth are like one of the more memorable. Like he's his his robot mode, at least his face is all harsh angles. Everything about his face and his his helmet is all saying like don't mess with me. I'm dangerous and dynamic. Um and then he's uh there's like some other visual whimsy about him that I really like. Like the fact that his hands are so darn weird. He's got, I mean, his Velociraptor feet turn into his hands, right? And I mean, that's the way the toy was. So he's got like three fingers and two, two thumbs on each hand, which is kind of an, it's just visually unique. And why not, right? If we can have Transformers who have guns for hands or a giant dinosaur head for a hand, why not have an uh, unusual arrangement of fingers? Um... And then there's his weapons. He doesn't actually have, like, a rifle or a laser pistol, though he uses them, because, like, the, this Maximal Exploration ship sure did have a lot of guns on board. But um, he has that weird spinning sword, but then the weirdest of all is the thing that his tail turns into, which, on the toy, it's like, yeah, I get it. You want to have some kind of, like, moving action on it so the tail opens up, and then it spins. I don't know what you do with that. Well, on the show, they turn it into, like, a shield of some sort. It's like a spinning shield. It's like these two... The two halves of the tail open up to form like a propeller, and he actually uses that to defend himself in battle, which is just, I think, again, um, if you're going to do a show about robots who can turn into animals, why not have some visual whimsy like that? Like Inferno's hindquarters turning into a rocket, you know, and Beast Wars Megatron's uh, right hand being the head of the T-Rex. What a weird thing. Like, when I, when I saw the initial designs, I'm like, I don't know about this, but... Um, that was an aspect of the of the the show and the character designs that I wound up really enjoying a lot, and uh, something I, I look forward to in future Transformer shows. Like one of the things in the the most recent Robots in Disguise show, I didn't I didn't watch much of it, and I don't know why I couldn't get into it. But the fact that there were so many new species of Transformers being introduced, like Chompazoids and things, I was like that excites my imagination. Ah, there's a there's a bigger, broader world of it. Of course, why wouldn't there be? Why wouldn't there be divergent branches of Transformers Evolution if they have literally colonized the galaxy as explored in G1? So, anyway, there's Dinobot. So, this is part of the Art Sound Off Challenge, artsoundoff.com, Art Sound Off hashtag on social media, checking in over the month of November with journaling about my art. Me and my buddy Rob Stenzinger started this challenge, and we've, you know asked the world to, to play along. You don't even have to do it every day. You don't have to uh, share your work. But if you do, you can please use the Art Sound Off hashtag. All of the ways to play are at artsoundoff.com. There's still a few days left in November. And for my challenge this year, I've decided to think about a Transformer every day for the month of November and look at what I think about their character and what their character meant to me as a way to explore how other people's art influences my art. What am I taking away from other people's art? 
and how am I using those ideas or how, how, am I, how do these takeaways become ideas that I want to explore in my own work? So I'll be back tomorrow with another Thunder Punch Daily. Oh, by the way, 4millionyearslater.com is the website where all these uh, essays are being collected. And then at the end of the, the 30 characters, we're switching it to a weekly exploration of the Transformers Gen 1 series. Me and my buddy Hoover are going to be checking in weekly and uh, watching an episode of the show in order and then talking about it every week. So 4millionyearslater.com, all spelled out. Subscribe if you haven't yet. Okay, now I'll be back tomorrow with another Thunder Punch Daily. Until then, remember everybody. In today's story, Skeletor was looking for a shortcut, a quick way to riches and power. You may know some people like that, always looking for the quick way to get ahead of everybody else. Well, it doesn't work that way. The people who succeed are the ones who work for what they want. So don't be fooled by those who say they have a sure thing. There's always a catch to it. Don't sell yourself short. The right way is the best way. Until later.